0: really looks like. Remember to like and subscribe to never miss an episode and hit me up at thelovelylea.com or at thelovelylea on Instagram so we can connect. Become a Patreon supporter to get access to behind the scenes of our guests, freebies, early access to new episodes, discounts on merch, and more. What is up my people? It's nice to Connect with you again for another week. I hope you had an awesome week and I hope you listened to last week's episode. My goodness, we got such a crazy response from uh, Medium Floor being on the show and uh, especially after that reading that she gave me, which was insanely accurate. Uh, Those of you paying attention found the surprise in the episode, which was really fun. And I appreciate all your DMs uh, (laughs) and smiles. I won't give it away for those who haven't listened to it yet, Um, but I will be talking about that further next week. So be looking forward to uh, that solo episode. But this week we have um, some really, really interesting and beautiful things to get through in today's episode. But before we get there, um, I just want to like catch you guys up. This week has been insane. And today is the 21st, which is Um, You know, some of you guys have heard the Christmas star or the great conjunction or um, the winter solstice, uh, you know, the longest night of the year. And I think it's a really impactful, energetic time. And those of you who are familiar with kind of, um, you know, some of the ascension symptoms and stuff like that, I... Have been feeling it. I don't know if you can feel the energy in the last few days, and there's plenty of memes that are rolling around that are kind of giving explanations about, um, you know, what this day means and, and I guess like how you should prepare for it, things like that. Um, for me personally, I don't really feel like there's anything specific except that um, I do feel like this is kind of like a wiping of the slate. And, uh, you know, kind of a time to make our intentions known about how we would like the next following year or years to go. And interestingly enough, I had so much stuff come up last night. Um, I had a deep meditation. And, you know, there's, there's some stuff that I'm going through this week and uh, the following weeks uh, before that have been just really heavy stuff, Uh, family stuff, and, you know, other things that are just heavy. And so, I did some meditation yesterday where I was allowing myself to do some pretty significant release and I was finding that there was all this anger coming up and and a lot of, you know, just upset about things not feeling finished and feeling in limbo in some kind of way. I feel like I'm always waiting. There's four big situations in my life right now where I'm like waiting for something to finally finish or complete. And I think that I'm... (laughs) Learning about myself right now, how how deeply irritating that makes me. (laughs) I I I just like having to wait for something to come to fruition. Um, You know, for instance, we're waiting for our house to close, and this process they are putting me through the fucking ringer, guys. Like, I it's it's so annoying. It's just like I just want to be in my home. I just want to have my home. And while that's a luxury and a privilege to have an opportunity to. Have a home. I'm aware of that. Um, this kind of in between limbo feeling is has been uh, really difficult to just wait, <laughs> and then have someone come back and say, "Actually, we need this paper," and "Actually, we need this paper," and we're we're almost done. Oh no, we're not done. Like, ugh, it it drives me crazy. And I'm starting to learn how like not laid back I am, <laughs> which is is not a good look for me. I think uh, for the most part, I view myself as someone who's pretty chill. I don't get mad very easily, and I'm kind of like, you know, whatever. Go with the flow and surrender. And this period in my life has felt like, there has been absolutely none of that. Like I have not surrendered. <laughs> I have not been like, universe, take care of it. I am creating a shit ton of resistance. So I just, I want I want to reveal that to you so that way you understand that this is an ongoing process and an ongoing journey. It does not stop. You don't just complete it and you're like, cool, I've, I've understood all the concepts of ascension and now I'm there. No, like <laughs> it's a process of mastery. And I am in the thick of it. So y'all send me some good vibes because I have been stressed (laughs) feeling like I just want things to go the way I want them to go. Damn it. And that is that like bratty, (laughs) childlike, um, you know, element of control, wanting control, having anxiety around not having control, not knowing when something's going to happen, trying to follow along a timeline of some sort. And I just got to let it go. I have to got. I've got to let it go. Um, anyway, so back to this conjunction. I felt like this was for me. Anyway, was bringing up a lot of emotions of stuff that I'm like, oh, that's that's ugly. I didn't I didn't see you there. <laughs> and trying to figure out how to love myself through the ugly. Um, a lot of uh, themes that have been coming up this weekend. A lot of my readings have been, um, you know, people not loving them their whole selves, um, waiting till they're perfect or waiting till they're fixed or waiting until they're healed before they'll offer themselves that self-love. And at least for me, I feel like this conjunction is teaching me in this portal of energy is how to love yourself right where you're at and how to be present in that process. So uh, that's what I'm learning this week. We'll talk about that more next week. Um, We didn't really have a listener question this week that aligned with the episode. However, I do have someone who left me the most positive and pleasant message I've gotten in a while, Uh, So I'm going to play that for you guys because that makes my heart feel good. Um, But in addition to that, if this show has helped you in any kind of way, if you return here week after week after week, and you are getting things that are helping you grow and feeling like there is some sense of connection or community where you don't feel alone, please find a way to support this show. Now, I know you already listening is supportive of it, um, and I appreciate you listening, but if you have the means to do so, get on Patreon, become a membership um, tier person, Patreon, and contribute to the show in some kind of way, uh, whether it's buying merch, putting a comment on Instagram, sharing it on your stories, um, you know, supporting through Anchor. This really does help us out in order to keep this show going, to keep the motivation and morale high, <laughs> uh, to always be providing you free content every week. Uh, to help with your process in any way that I can. I appreciate you all. I love you so much and I hope that you're having a wonderful holiday weekend. So let's get on to our listener appreciation message.
1: Hi Aaliyah, my name is Ashanti and you are my best friend. <laughs> I found you literally a week ago and today is what, December Uh, 10th, I believe 2020. I found you a week ago and I have listened to 18 episodes thus far and I am in love with every single last one of them. And I just wanted to let you know that this is so inspiring and so fulfilling. And it's like, I've just started my awakening probably like a month or two ago. And I'm just so grateful that I found you because I feel like every single episode speaks volumes in really like just explains and answers all the things that I've been feeling and thinking. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for just doing this and please keep doing this. And I love you. Thank you so much.
0: Victoria Albina, NP, MPH, is a certified life coach, breathwork meditation facilitator, holistic nurse practitioner, and the host of Feminist Wellness. She's on a mission to help women raised by codependents and alcoholics to stop feeling anxious, stuck, and overwhelmed so they can have better relationships with their partners, parents, and themselves. She teaches women how to live with confidence and radical, unapologetic self-love worldwide via the internet. Victoria started her wellness journey after a lifetime of being sick and navigating the complexities of living with and being raised by a family impacted by trauma and codependency. After 30 years of digestive issues, depression, and anxiety, she healed herself through cutting-edge functional medicine, herbal medicine, and finally through the nervous system healing and life coaching. While her health improved by healing her leaky gut, the true and lasting healing came from learning to manage her mind and let go of self-doubt, approval-seeking, and negative self-talk that were keeping her nervous system revved up and her body paying the price. With 20 years in health and wellness, her work is a place where science and the sacred meet. Equal parts total nerd, modern day witch, and asker of smart questions, Victoria brings cognitive psychology, somatic healing, neuroscience, and feminist theory to her work, providing both a unique framework for understanding the effects of patriarchy and capitalism on one's mental and physical health, and an effective yet simple protocol for rewriting harmful old thought patterns to release anxiety and insecurity to feel confident instead. She now lives a life she loves, and her decades of illness are fuel for her desire to help women drop the rock of codependent thinking, stress and overwhelm, and live the life of their dreams. Please welcome Victoria to the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Shit. I'm your host, Aaliyah Lovely, and today we have the lovely Victoria Albina, who is just a powerhouse in feminist wellness and codependency and how perfectionists, perfectionism fucks your life, <laughs> So we're going to get into a little bit about that and some other things. Say hey to everybody. Hey, hey, so delighted to be here. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Um, before we get into all the juicy stuff that you have and the, the things that you're able to offer so many people around the world, um, can you tell people a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got into the space in the first place?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Victoria Albina. I am a holistic nurse practitioner, life coach, breathwork meditation facilitator. I use she, her pronouns, and I live on occupied unseated Lenape territory in New York state. I came to this work as many of us did from being wicked sick myself. So um, I was physically sick. Uh, I mean, what's the difference between physically, mentally, and spiritually sick, right? There's all that intersection, pero um, bien. I was really physically sick the first 30, 35 years of my life with terrible digestive symptoms and the mental health concerns that come when your microbiome is completely effed. So intermittent depression, anxiety, a lot of struggles. And it was in working to heal myself that I really got passionate about helping others to heal their physical body. It was soon on that journey that I realized that that was only a small portion of the work that I needed to do, and then saw that reflected back in my patients, right? So we would murder off whatever bad bacteria was causing them crises, bring in the good bacteria, uh, heal their nutrition, et cetera, but symptoms lingered. And symptoms came back and so often it was that mind body spirit connection that really needed to be attended to which is what led me to study somatics and to study the mind and to become a life coach and to bring in the breath work that all together helps support folks to release really problematic thoughts that keep us from attending to ourselves and loving ourselves like codependent perfectionist and people pleasing thinking mm. So
0: can you talk to us a little bit about what somatics are? Because I'm, I'm super interested in that. Um, I know that somatic therapy and somatic healing has brought together um, very much the mental health aspect with the, not even, I wouldn't say spiritual necessarily, but more psychological aspects of rewiring the brain to uh, stop triggering us into old patterns uh, via some neuroplasticity or something like that. So can you talk to us about what that is and how you got into that?
2: Yeah, you're saying all my favorite nerd words. Um, so, somatics, soma, the body, right? So, recognizing that the body does know what's up and the body holds on to all the stressors, all the traumas, all the incongruencies in energy, the misattunements of our lives, all of these things live within our physiology. So again, from my own story, I had a parasite, blastocystis hominis. It needed to die. (laughs) And when I was really stressed out, I got heartburn. Mm -hmm. Sure, we can go down the physiologic path and we can talk about stomach acid, but that's a different topic, right? The soma, my body remembered stressors and trauma from the past. And when I felt stressed in my adult life, all of that came to the fore causing that physiologic reaction. I've also come to understand how many tensions in our bodies are from our lived experience. So for example, if as a kid you were misattuned with your parental figures, meaning you had a need that they were not capable of meeting, right? Or unwilling to meet, unable to meet for whatever reason. Maybe you wanted to either fight or flight, right? That sympathetic nervous system. You wanted to get the hell out of there, but you were six. Where are you gonna go? Right? Or you wanted to fight, but you're gonna punch a grown-up. Like oh, not that's not happening. Yeah. And so that all gets stored in our physiology, in ourselves, in our bodies, and also in our spirit. And so when that fight or flight is held within us it wants to complete, it wants to satisfy that energetic need. Mm -hmm. And so for an example, in the folks I work with, who are working to overcome their codependent thinking, I often see a lot of TMJ, a lot of jaw pain and a lot of hip pain, which is often that fight or flight, right in the hips, that flight wanting to come out that jaw, when you think about a boxer, Mm -hmm. right, the vagus nerve runs through your jaw, it's the one of the most important nerves in the body, in my opinion, the 10th and the longest cranial nerve. And if you're hit in the jaw, it's a technical knockout. You're out for the, you're out, right? And so the body armors it against that, right? We hold tension in the body to protect the vagus nerve very fiercely. Mm-hmm. And so that clenching of the jaw was all that little you could do. To protect yourself, mm-hmm. knowing that you were small and you had no other options because small, right? Yeah. And so you hold that tension in your soma, that tightness in the jaw as a way to armor to attempt to protect that ten- the physiology, but also the the emotional tenderness.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So fast forward 20, 30, 40, 50 more years later, we still have those holding patterns within our physiology until we recognize them bring them attention and love ask them what they need learn from them and give to them Hmm. so somatic therapy is a way
0: in which we are integrating that trauma that we've we've experienced on that side with our physical body and with our now present memory or present awareness exactly okay exactly wow so this this is not even the direction that we talked about going. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm so fascinated with with this is already because it is a type of therapy, right? Or is it a type of like hypnosis or something?
2: Oh, no, no, no hypnosis. Mm -hmm. No, it's a therapeutic modality. Um, I'm not a therapist. um, And I just want to be clear for our listeners. I don't claim to be an expert in all somatic practices. Um, It's just something that I bring into my work as a nurse practitioner and a coach. It's, it's the natural intersection of my training, my skills and my 20 years yeah. experience. Um, but yeah, it's a therapeutic modality that helps us to see where things are stuck and things are keeping us in those same thought loops and the same physiologic experience that can help lead us really just to feel like crap to put it elegantly. Yeah. yeah. A lot of our
0: lives, we live in those thought loops mm-hmm. and thought loops are really important when I talk to my clients and then a lot of the people that we've had on the show, um, and how we kind of we, 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 I call them paradigms or narratives or, you know, stories that we tell ourselves and we get in these thought loops of like our trauma and our identity and what we think and how it defines us. And we find ourselves in situations where we're always saying, why does this always happen to me? Like, why does this always happen like this or whatever? I'm not necessarily aware of those cycles that we're kind of going in or have been ingratiated in as a result of some of our childhood inner child healing that needs to happen. Now you speak a lot about inner child healing. And um, for people who are, maybe this is their first show that they're listening to, what is inner child healing and why is it so important?
2: Yeah, so um, the concept of the inner child is um, an understanding. Again, this is reflected in somatic work that every childhood experience that we have imprints on us and it stays with us. And so it's a personification of that experience within us because doing so allows our naturally creative human minds to get into conversation with those parts. And so it's an understanding that each of us has protector parts. We have this beautiful gift of resistance within us. We have defenders. We have jokers. We have peacekeepers. We have this entire family within us whose a number one only goal is to keep us alive. And so the more we can get in touch with our inner children, our inner family, our inner village, the more we can understand their motivations, their intentions, their goals for us. And when we can get into conversation, well, then adult us is in conversation versus having an eight-year-old driving the bus, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so much of my work is really based on praising the crap out of these little kiddos,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? When I was doing my breathwork um, facilitator training, there was always this conversation about resistance as a bad thing. And I'm just so not down with that. I think our resistance is one of our greatest gifts ever, mm-hmm. because it's an inner part saying, I'm scared. <laughs> and so, right, we can run roughshod over that. But I don't think that's healing. I think that's mm-hmm really problematic, right? And creates an internal stress that is not helpful and leads us to need more healing support down the road. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say re-traumatizing because I'm not sure it's always to that level, but it's of that ilk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So instead, what I teach my clients to do is to recognize when those inner children are like, you want to meditate? That's very dangerous. <laughs> if you're still with your eyes closed, you will get eaten by wines. And to say, you know what, kid, you're, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I can see why that's wicked scary for you, right? Okay. But listen, adult me is in charge right now. And so you get to go play with the other kids and to trust me. I know other adults may not have been trustworthy, but I've got yeah. our back.
0: Right. That's something that's uh, interesting to kind of talk into um, the resistance point, because we talk a lot about resistance on the show, but more in the sense of uh, manifestation, energetic resistance, not like physical right. resistance, but yeah, yeah. resistance as um, a survival amount, a, mount, a way of survival, a way to defend the body. Yeah. And so, and to pay attention to and integrate whatever those things are. Now on our topic of codependency, we've spoken about that for sure. And that is something that loads of us struggle with. Yeah. And I do think that it deeply does come from, like we look at a cultural standpoint of especially um, anybody who identifies as a feminine and how society has portrayed feminine <laughs> and how we're supposed to be um, men as well. But I do think that I hear a lot more about women struggling with that um, as far as like the, the ways in which their value is being ascertained by or validated by someone else loving them or feeling like that's the only way that they feel of value. Can you define what codependency is and what are the the main kind of characteristics uh, to kind of identify that within oneself?
2: Yeah. Well, I think you summed it up really well. But (laughs) (laughs) So I'll add, um, I really think about codependency as when, or codependent thinking, right? Cause I don't like to talk about it as a label so much mm-hmm. as a habit because it's completely changeable.
0: Right.
2: Um, right, so codependent thinking is marked by believing that other people's thoughts, feelings, lived experience, emotional state, wellness, uh, lunch, like everyone else's everything is to be attended to before yours. So it's that chronic habit of putting other people before you and then internalizing how you perceive them and making it mean something about you and your worth, right? Oh, he's unhappy. I'm unhappy.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, She's upset. I need to be upset with her, right? They don't like the way this is going. I need to to shift the way I'm showing up, to try to make them happy, even if it's not what makes me happy and brings me pleasure and joy or peace and calm. But I need to sort of chameleon myself to take care of others and keep their everything ahead of my own for my own internal safety, right? Because that's where it comes from,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? And so yes, how, how obviously. Is it, sorry, how, is that, how does that normally develop? So I think you're very right on with the piece about socialization. I think humans that are socialized as women and anyone living as a woman uh, experiences this story very strongly. Um, And obviously that's a generalization, yeah, but to continue to generalize, Mm -hmm. uh, we are taught to put always put the men in the family ahead of ourselves, put the family ahead of ourselves, put children ahead of ourselves, like put everything in the world ahead of our own desires. Um, and so I think it manifests from having that modeled in childhood from the psychological literature, the term codependency originally comes from the addiction world and was mm. used to talk about the wives um, of of alcoholic men. And, um, I really expand on that because I find that it's often not the case. One doesn't have to grow up in a household with addiction or alcoholism, but in a household where folks are codependent and are modeling that, right? Are modeling putting everyone else's everything ahead of their own. And so how does it manifest I often see it as perfectionism and perfectionist thinking, people pleasing, um, really, again, that shape shifting and trying to be everyone to everything to everyone. Um, I often see it, it's fascinating, right? As judgment of self, like a deep, deep judgment of self as always being a letdown, always being behind the curve, never doing enough uh, perfectionism, Mm -hmm. which can come with a really harsh judgment of others. Mm. an interesting place i'll see this showing up is with codependent thinking we spend so much of our time and our energy and our ah, emotional bandwidth doing and doing and doing and doing for others and so we judge others who don't do the same Mm. right we expect right yeah (laughs) we spend our time attempting to mind read and I don't mean actual psychic powers that is a different conversation (laughs) um that's totally legit I mean like trying to anticipate needs with this energy of like it'll keep me safe if I anticipate their needs yeah which again in childhood may have literally been the truth yeah And we then get really angry, upset, disappointed, frustrated when other people don't read our minds, Mm -hmm. right? And don't do for us what we never asked them to do because we've spent a lifetime doing for others what they never asked us to do, Mm -hmm. right? So it ends up with this really tricky um, energetic dynamic between folks where we are expecting other people to play these these roles in our lives that are just not, um, not loving or kind for anyone involved gently. Yeah. There's an interesting concept.
0: Someone came out and said that, um, empaths tend to be, have the highest levels of codependency, but not because they're necessarily born empaths, but because empathicness can actually be, be developed out of having to anticipate someone's needs to be safe. And I thought that was really interesting because I myself identify as a born empath of being already sensitive coming out. But then I tried to think about that and I thought about the processes and, and all the conversations I've had with other people who've been empathic and how that is like kind of the number one thing that a lot of us struggle with as far as what it is that because we can't feel good unless the people around us are feeling good from an energetic standpoint, but also from that mental or psychological standpoint as well. And thinking now, even back to my past and being like, wow, like growing up super religious and growing up with parents that were pretty strict. And like, I had to anticipate their needs to make sure I didn't get in trouble or that I was going to be okay. Or like being the oldest child and like having to take care of three other children as well. And like trying to, you know, throttle between my mom and the kids and, you know, that to me makes a lot of sense. Yep. So in order to to be loved and to be essentially someone who is highly uh, anticipating someone else's uh, whatever they need, you have to be kind of perfect, or at least you think you do, you need oh, to, yeah. in order to earn love. Yep. So can you expand a little bit on
2: that, like the perfectionism myth and how it fucks up your life? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to start by saying three cheers for little you right? Hurrah. Like, yay. <laughs> those little humans kept you safe. Like what genius, tiny, tiny peoples, mm-hmm. right? At six and eight and 12 and 14, to be able to read the room energetically and otherwise, and to stay one step ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad they showed up for you that way. That's beautiful. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. Yeah. Was- <laughs> It's nice, right? Because I think part of the perfectionist myth and part of codependent thinking is this chronic beating ourselves up for what's already done Mm -hmm. and beating ourselves up for what we're doing now and just going ahead and beating ourselves up for what we might do next week. Why not? Right. And so when we pause and we celebrate that inner genius, it really opens that door to breaking through perfectionism. Because we can see that what we may label as currently maladaptive, it doesn't support us now as adults, was genius back then. Mm-hmm. And so that creates, it's like the crack where the light comes in, right? Mm-hmm. That whatever we're doing now with best effort may be genius for future self. Right. And so that allows us to consider that maybe just possibly we can be a little less fucking harsh with ourselves. Yeah. And perfectionism, that perfectionist habit teaches us not to celebrate ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if we think back to little you, could she pause to celebrate herself or did she have to do the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing? Right. Right. So as adults, when we pause and we celebrate little us, last week us, today us, and go ahead and celebrate future us, because I'm sure that human's going to do a great job again, we start to break it open just a little bit. Mm-hmm. To circle back to talking about being an empath, yeah? Mm-hmm. So I think that the one thing for me in my experience of the difference between being an empath, one can be an empath and have it be a wild and amazing gift. And one can have the gift of empathy as a survival Skill and have it be problematic when we don't have healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I mean that on all levels. I mean your right. energetic boundaries and your psychological boundaries, your financial boundaries, your time boundaries, like all of it. Right. Right. So it's one thing to say, I feel, I feel his energy. He's mad. That human, they are disappointed. Right. And to recognize it, to be to to feel it in that loving, connecting way. And then for me, it's not mine. Mm -hmm. Right. I give it back. I I push it out of, you know, I picture my energetic orb around me and it's a thing, you know, living. On Lenape territory in New York City for so long, I set an energetic protective orb around myself every single day before leaving the house, (laughs) right? Um, And so I push that gently out of my orb because it's not mine. Mm -hmm. I don't want it. I don't need it. It doesn't serve me to take it on. And so for me, that's my empathetic child meeting my adult self, Mm For her, it was brilliant, it was amazing, it was protective to take it all in, make it mean something about me. Again, perfectionism, I have already effed up, I was born effed up, everything I do is effed up, because if I believe that, I can stay one step ahead of danger. Mm. It's like, (laughs) I talk about this because I'm really effing silly, Um, T-Rex consciousness. (laughs) (laughs) So think back to Jurassic Park. Yes. If you're not moving, the T-Rex can't see you. Mm -hmm. So if you live in a household of T-Rex, if you stay very still, which can look like getting the straight A's, getting the gold star, getting the lead in the play, doing sport words, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? Making the dinner before parents get home, pouring the drink before someone gets home. The T-Rex won't see you. Mm. It won't eat your face. (laughs) how fucking genius is that shit right yeah Yeah. that's some magic fucking shit right there and that is perfectionism Mm
3: -hmm.
2: that is that line of thinking if i stay at least twenty thousand million steps ahead my boss the t-rex my partner the t-rex my mom the t-rex my dad the all these t-rex they will not see me they will only see the perfection in front of them and i get to live another day hmm
0: so how does one step outside of that and, and find themselves in a position of power and not in a place where they're trying to be hidden? Slowly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> very, very slowly, which has been a challenge in that I work with so many New Yorkers who are like, okay, Listen. Mm-hmm. Can we get this done for Tuesday? I'm looking, at, I'm looking at Tuesday on dropping the codependency. Tuesday afternoon for the perfectionism, people pleasing. Yes. We can wait till Tuesday evening. Yes, it's Monday morning. Can we get going? Thank you, Fran. <laughs> Any friggin' time, yes. <laughs> let me know. <laughs> Love it. Well, what were, uh, what were
0: you say? i was say, well, like for for myself, like I can speak to. Um, for a long time, having that particular type of complex. And then Mm. something happening around my thirties, like um, having a partner who was a T-Rex, having Mm -hmm. a father who was a T-Rex, having those Mm -hmm. kind of situations. Um, At some point in my thirties, like like 31 or something, I was like, you know what, I don't give a fuck. Mm
3: -hmm. Like something
0: just kind of like twisting. And yes, it still was slowly. There was still like a two year kind of marker where I can start to see where I was like, try this let's say something back you know so I kind of fight for myself um but it did take some time for me to finally claim that power back and not be so afraid of someone's what I would call backlash at the time but what I would call now like their own their own shit you know like their own right. problems or whatever and I always say I love that you said you give it back you have the orb around yourself because I always say return to sender like that's my empath mantra, return to sender. That's not mine that wrong package. (laughs) You're at the wrong address. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, And getting to a place of forgiveness for myself, because you're right. Like that idea of perfectionism is a way in which we try to survive, to stay safe. If we can just stay a few steps ahead, we won't be subject to the, the cataclysmic
2: downpour of, you know, the teeth. <laughs> right, right. So, and I, I would even say from my framework, there's nothing to forgive. Because mm. little you literally didn't do shit wrong. Yeah. Little you was 127 million percent on point. Little you made the exact right choice for your own survival. There is nothing to forgive. Mm. There is something to celebrate. Get out the balloons and the streamers there's something to celebrate. I love that. Right. You develop perfectionist thinking to survive a goddamn T-Rex. Yay. Oh, yay. Yeah. So
0: how is that fucking up our life in our adulthood? Holy shit. Every
2: possible way. Mm
0: -hmm. Let's get into that. (laughs)
2: Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, So perfectionist thinking can keep us believing that there is something outside of us. There's some mile marker to meet that will make us lovable, whole, perfect. And therefore it keeps this veil over our eyes that keeps us from seeing that we are already perfect. You were born perfect. So was I right? Everyone listening was born perfect and whole and amazing. And our socialization systems of oppression, our culture, our families, etc., led us to believe that we were something other than perfect and perfect was something we had to work towards. But from the energy of believing it, believing that you are already perfect and fucking amazing, you get to show up in your wholeness dropping the story that there's anything to strive for mm. because striving has that that sort of yucky icky mm-hmm. like graspy gotta get it kind of energy versus knowing that you have so much to give that you have such a bright light and that you get to show up and shine it mm-hmm. A note on somatics, I'm watching my body on the video, which I know listeners, you can't see, but I'll share with you. When I'm talking about that feeling of being less than having to prove it, I watched my own shoulders collapse, my posture collapses, mm-hmm. my head tilts down, which is smart survival protecting that vagus mm-hmm. nerve. The second I brought in that energy and started talking about, mm-hmm believing in my worth and my value and my wholeness. And then open I get up. to give, I opened up, I felt my chest, my pecs, my shoulders, just whoosh, my posture open from that belief that I have nothing to prove. I have nothing to prove to anyone. Now, the pushback is, but goals, Vic. Like, don't you have goals? Don't you want to get shit done? You know, I do. And I want to do it from the place of self-love and love for you and love for the collective love for the world, not from the place of trying to prove myself. Mm. That's fucking powerful Vic. (laughs) I'm so fucking (laughs) glad you fucking think so. This,
0: this is, um, I don't think I've ever heard anybody kind
2: of put it that way
0: before. Mm. And which is always pleasing to me because I'm always looking for new angles to, to slice something up. Mm. Um, you let's get into this because you talk a mm. lot about uh, you know feminist ideals and how patriarchal society and all that good stuff is how it affects our this perfectionist perfectionistic ideals. Um, so kind of c- give to me you know what your philosophy on that is because there are some people who are like you know, kill the patriarchy and, you know, you know, whatever. And then there are other people who kind of come from the perspective of like, it's not men's fault and it's not this and it's not that. And like, obviously, like we're talking more from a spiritual perspective of healing, but we do get these social ideas from being socialized in our society. So kind of talk to me about that and your philosophy on those. Yeah,
2: absolutely. So my work is guided by key core feminist principles, which I believe can and should and must transcend the gender of any one person Mm -hmm. or group of people who use these practices in their lives. So I use these principles to guide the way I move through the world and the approach I use with my clients and historically with my patients. So to me, this means holding a deep belief that every human on this earth has inherent dignity and value, core feminist principle deep belief that we are all capable of change and growth, no matter how we've been socialized or how we've navigated our lives in the past. So again, that forgiveness, right? That regret is optional, Um, recognizing we are where we are, part and parcel of the systems we've been trained in. Mm. I deeply believe that we are not able to heal the world until we heal ourselves first, not from some like, you know, white supremacy teaches us that the individual is the only thing that matters and that Horatio Alger's pull yourself up by the bootstraps bullshit. I'm not ever here for it, Mm -hmm. but I believe that we need to heal ourselves first because it is only from that, that place, right. Of, of putting ourselves first with love that we can show up for collective healing, which is vital. With our fullest energy, love, kindness, care, and not from that grasping. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 100%. Bien, yeah. Bien, <laughs> bien. <laughs> I, I, I'm from Argentina, and mm-hmm. I did I did a thing I know not to do, which is I spoke to my mom before getting on this call with you. And so <laughs> when I spend the morning speaking in Spanish, I yes. it just the, Girl, the translation. Yeah. I speak a little bit. But... Bueno. <laughs> I'm better at French. Uh... Lo siento. Disculpame. <laughs> todo bien. Perfecto. Yes. So, yeah, so a co- another core feminist belief that I bring to my work is that while so many of us have been taught to believe that we are less powerful than we are, we are all worthy and capable of reclaiming our birthright to exist in this world as our full complex selves and to live our lives on our own terms, Mm -hmm. claiming full autonomy over our own bodies Mm -hmm. and our own choices, which we've often been socialized not to believe. And certain bodies have been disenfranchised Mm -hmm. from that belief. Having been told over and over and over again, your body makes you less than, Mm -hmm. which is The biggest crock of fucking bullshit I could ever imagine. No. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How do you feel? And this is actually this is this question came from Karen. Karen Mm. is my guide person that I talked to, which is funny because like now I have to do this whole disclaimer. I'm not saying Karen because. Oh right, you know (laughs) the whole thing. Oh Karen, yeah, yes, not that.
2: um, Not that kind of Karen. Not
0: that kind of kind of. um, There is the question that came to me was how do you feel in, in, in context that the soul transcends gender? Like, how are we healing through and bringing through our energies, you know, without gender? I don't know if that makes sense. That's what's coming through me in the biggest chunk of download is like this idea of healing, without the societal attempts to say we're less than because of our bodies or because of who we came in as or because of how we identify, et cetera.
2: Well, I think we can, you know, one of the big things, codependency, perfectionism, these things teach us black and white thinking. Right. Again, T-Rex, not T-Rex, right? It's a survival skill. It's brilliant. It's amazing until it isn't. And so our brains can get really stuck on saying, well, it's this or it's that. Mm -hmm. But I teach that we can hold the duality as a way to bring in a different kind of wholeness. So I believe that one can recognize that, yeah, sure, the soul, the spirit doesn't have gender or race or class or, right, it, it transcends all those things and... I think it behooves us to be very thoughtful and careful um, not to use that framework of the genderless, raceless, unclassed soul, spirit, energy, body as a way to ignore, and I'm not saying you are doing this, <laughs> right? But right. We, we know who is in the the white spirituality world, right? Mm-hmm. That bypassing world, um, to not use that story as a way to disavow the realness of the bullshit that's going on yes. on this planet in this moment, especially for humans and black bodies, especially for immigrants, mm-hmm. little children sitting in cages on the border yeah. covered in COVID. I mean, right. And so yeah. I think we get to hold them both. And in that process, not drop the thread of either. hmm. That? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. yeah.
0: Because I was getting, um, the, the overall, and I don't even know if I communicated that question, what, and what she was saying, cause I, it felt so palpable, like a big bubble that was sitting on me. But this idea of, um, you know, that you, if you're spiritual, you can't be an activist or if you're spiritual, you can't have an opinion or yeah. if you're spiritual, the biggest one, you have to be perfect. Mm. And so there are a lot of people running around with torches mm. and pitchforks that mm-hmm. are coming after people and saying, okay, you said this and you said that, and you know, whatever, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. more than mm-hmm. anything, um, so many things being either, either bypassed
3: mm-hmm. or,
0: um, people who step out and say something who mm-hmm. are quote unquote spiritual, like myself. Like I, mm-hmm. sometimes I get some guff about being, having a very strong opinion about certain things. And I'm like, I'm someone in a black body. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I identify um, as a cis, gender, female, but like there are definite things and oppressions that I've experienced for sure that affect my psychological, my societal, like my spiritual being. And so it's interesting to see the flex between the two. And so mm-hmm. I thought it was like very interesting to see like how you kind of put that, that together and how perfectionism, codependency, like all of those things kind of are ingratiated into these concepts very much so.
2: Yeah, very that much. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that if someone is to be a spiritual leader, they must address the suffering of the human form in this lifetime. Like, mm-hmm. what? Why are you talking about the chakras? Why are you talking about energy being? Like, what are you talking about? if you're not recognizing that different bodies are differently oppressed in this physical lifetime and moment, like, I don't know. I, I, I think the talk of bending time and the 5D there, you know, we mustn't, there. oh shit. Well, no, I guess I just mean like it's, we mustn't lose sight of what is happening to the humans that we are talking about when we talk mm-hmm. about going to an astral plane. Because I'll i go on a journey.
3: Mm-hmm. I
2: love a goddamn journey, <laughs> right? I have a lot of gratitude, you know, for the abuela. I have a lot of gratitude for the little people, you know, like I have a lot of gratitude for a lot of access to journeying.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And we cannot forget this human plane. And yeah. that we're talking about actual fucking humans.
3: Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. yeah. Now uh, we started at the beginning of the interview talking about things that are very accessible. Now oh, yeah. I know <laughs> that you are also super weird, like me. <laughs> and so I want to get we're into so weird. Like, I love all it. the weird shit that we could talk about. Um, right now, like what's something that like, or not even right now, like what's, you talked about the little people and the abuelas and stuff like that. Um, What are some of your, you know, kind of belief systems that you work with that are kind of
2: far out there? Oof. (laughs) I mean, I think that's so, I mean, it so depends on your lens, right? (laughs) Right. Cause like when I was a primary care provider, telling my patients to take probiotics, like the people in my office were like, wait, what? (laughs) And I was like, no, she has IBS, she needs fermented foods. And they were like, (laughs) okay, like that doesn't, you know? So I, it's so, what's the most out there thing? I, my brain just went right to everything that's happening in the like white dominant healing space Mm -hmm. of this rugged individualism. And so I think- yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that's so out there, but. Let's go there.
0: Now, like, cause people know, like we kind of leave these uh, your interviews more intuitively. And so like mm-hmm. what
2: does the collective need to hear. So go, go with that. Okay. We need each other. We are pack animals. Our nervous systems need one another. Co-regulating our nervous systems with another living human, with another mammal or with a tree. Or with the concept of mother earth or with your resources your internal resources and um, so like resourcing your abuela or the abuela um, a client of mine resources dr maya angelou when she feels down mm. right collective connecting in with the importance of lifting all of us up mm-hmm. has to be primary in our work mm this is tracking. Am I making sense? Yeah. 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 My you know, brain's like- going to so many places
0: <laughs> for people who are listening, who don't understand what she means by resourcing. Yes. Um, we mean like accessing people who are, who are passed away, who may be in the beyond, who could be spirit guides, could be angels, things like that. As you just heard, I spoke to Karen and um, she's this really cool ancient name that begins with a K. It's just hard to say. Yeah. So I abbreviated it, but um, it, and being able to kind of access this kind of, we are all one um, I talk about the text a lot, the law of one, where it talks about our collective consciousness and how we're all blended together. And that the whole point of this whole damn earth school is for us to understand that we are not individual, that no. we are all collective spirit kind of acting together, trying to essentially raise our consciousness in a way that we're able to progress in the, uh, expanded soul, if you will. And that this will. rugged individualism that we do have this kind of capitalistic individualistic. Um, it's, it's for me, not for you kind of thing is the, will be the downfall of every empire, the downfall of every society, the like Atlantis, um, if people believe in Atlantis, Rome, um, all of our largest empires to come in, kill, destroy, take over colonialism, all of it. And so we're not, when we're not living, and that does seem like an out there idea for a lot of people. That we would, you know, I was reading some article or sound something on uh, Instagram where um, there was Indigenous people and they were talking about how Westerners and or Western life, corporatism, things like that are destroying the earth. And the woman had said, "You're not used to Indigenous people calling you ignorant." And I, I love this line because she was she like uh, there was a much larger 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 article um, where she spoke about how the oneness like. Our connection to mother earth, our connection to, um, the animals, our connection to nature and our connection to each other and how important it was for our own survival and, um, kind of seeing the dichotomy of what's happening in America right now, especially. And I, I just, there's a part of me, I'm, I'm Cherokee native American as well. And so yesterday was, um, while we're recording, this was, uh, Columbus day slash indigenous people's day. (laughs) Yeah. And I had a discussion with my, my boyfriend about it because I posted a meme that said, Hey, Hey, fuck Christopher Columbus Mm -hmm. and had the middle fingers up. And I just thought it was funny. So I reposted it and we had this long discussion about identity politics. And he was like, you know, like sometimes that can be dangerous because when we get into identity politics, it can essentially uh, negate the oneness that we're trying to achieve as far as like, as a people. And I was like, I get what you're saying, but when this per- particular group of people have been oppressed, like <laughs> I'm fuck mm-hmm. that dude, you know,
3: like yeah, sorry. seriously. Like
0: I couldn't, I couldn't mesh the two. I said, as the sum uh, uh, the sum of all uh lineages that I've experienced, like, nah, like nah. intentions, not like nah, like N-A-H. nah. So <laughs> we had a very interesting discussion about that. And even in even in that, me thinking, okay because I, I love the point that he brought to me because I was still thinking, okay, yeah, like what does that look like to be in oneness when you have been wronged, when you have have societies of oppression and things like that. Um, before, before I just keep rambling, what do you think about that?
2: Uh, first off, I love your rambles. <laughs> Thanks. Subscribed, rated, and reviewed your rambles. Uh, so that was A, number one. B, number two. No, I think you're completely right on. I think there is such a difference between that we're all one. We're like one human race mm-hmm. and like, you know, me first in that, like, that's where it begins and ends. Mm. And what I'm hearing you say, which is no, 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 nah. Like, nah. <laughs> I just translated it. <laughs> no, 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 pero mm-hmm. nah. Yeah. Um, no, we have to levantar. We have to lift up mm-hmm. communities that have been oppressed since somewhere mm. 1492, was it? <laughs> somewhere around there. You <laughs> somewhere know? Around there. Somewhere around there, yeah. right? And I think that is, is a, a vital part of reclaiming that collective spirit Mm -hmm. and re-energizing that collective spirit, right? To say there is, there is unity here. I picture spirals,
3: Mm
2: -hmm. right? So I picture it spiraling outward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so uh, for my, for myself, it wasn't until I was able to do the healing work on my own over-reliance on attempting to control other people and their thoughts and their feelings and their emotional state and their Mm. needs that I was able to get into oneness with myself versus a fight within me. Mm -hmm. And from there, I was able to be of service from my wholeness. Mm. Yeah. And so I even think of like, you know, in my early twenties and like service trips I went on where I thought I knew shit and where I wasn't humble right? And I showed up in indigenous communities without humility. Mm-hmm. Konya. Mm-hmm. Oops, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to then fast forward to being at Standing Rock or going to the Navajo Nation to be of service through herbal medicine. And just the difference it made to show up and experience those settings in those communities from my own watcher, Versus that rugged individual that needed to insert myself. Am mm-hmm. I, am I, is, am I tra- is yeah. this tracking here? Yeah. yeah. Bien. <sighs> I think it is vital and important for communities to come together to find that collective power in a collective shared experience, not just of oppression, but of that, the joy that is inherent in whatever that identity is.
0: Right. Right. Because it's really difficult for all of us to be one when we haven't essentially been able to not just acclimate, because <laughs> we don't want people to just acclimate, um, but to heal like what's happened to uh, mm. people that we have had, you know, that type of trauma happen to. And yeah. when you talk about survival, let's bring it all back here <clears throat> to the way that we would behave as children and the T Rexes that we have in our life, and we think about the, the people, this is a, the, to me, this is such a spiritual topic and people are going <laughs> to say it's political, but what's the it, difference, right? Like we are still spiritual f- beings in the midst of all of this. And it's like, don't get political. It's like, this is highly spiritual for our expansion. If we're not able to integrate this, we cannot expand. Agreed. We can't. So and- without being able to, to let and allow, ev- like, how can we all be one when we don't all have the same experience? And that being in certain bodies doesn't allow you the same experience to progress like talking about going into yoga studios and and sound baths and all kinds of stuff and never seen anyone who looks like me like that what's accessible to some people is not accessible to others and to see how like we're not able to make those connections together you want to talk about t-rexes i've got perfectionism out the ass <laughs> On other levels, on more, com- not, I'm just, just talking about myself, but like from my yeah. perspective, I can only speak as myself, but like there are other levels of, there are levels to this shit. Mm-hmm. And there are more T-Rexes that I encounter that I noticed that some of my other friends do
2: not. Well, my brain just went to Kamala and at the debates where, God, it was like, it was so many layers of feelings to watch her embody the character of, not the angry black woman, mm-hmm. right? Because that trope is so mm-hmm. ready and available to be thrown in her face, right? Her tone was off, why'd she have to be angry? Look at all those right. facial expressions. Oh my God, why does she have a face with muscles in it? Mm-hmm. My mm-hmm. God, right? So Penn's got to sit there and tell actual lies and she got to calmly say, I'm speaking, I'm speaking right? So talk about like, um, the government is your T-Rex. Racism is the T-Rex, right? She got to, and I say got to, I mean, to get her message across, it is almost, you know, she has to embody this story of being the like acceptable black woman, Mm -hmm. not the angry black woman.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And that's some bullshit right there. Yeah, That is some bullshit right there. And if I may, to your previous point of like, we're spiritual, don't get political. If that thought ever crosses your mind, I want to invite you, dear listener, to check your privilege mm-hmm. with all the love in my heart.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? If if you believe for a millisecond that the personal is not political, right? Mm-hmm. Then you are sitting on a mountaintop of privilege. Right? And, and there's no guilt, there's no shame needed, right? If you are born into a white, cis, het, moneyed, educated, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, family, bueno, there you are. Stop telling others how to live their lives in bodies that have been systemically traumatized and oppressed.
0: And it's so interesting because it does hear so much into um, how we behave, in in, in the way that we're able to heal uh, or the ways in which we hold ourselves in societies, the way in which we're able to love or not love, the way in which we're able to provide or not provide and how we're able to essentially see the world. And so I love that (laughs) like um, the quote unquote out there is essentially like the thing that I think people are most afraid to hear right now uh, large audiences of people who are afraid to hear right now. Um, I'm not actually sure when this episode is going to run, so I don't know if this was, will be before or after the election. Or, oh, wow. Um, yeah. once we write out the schedule, this is how this, the podcast works guys. <laughs> um, but to know that just even right now in this current climate, that wherever we're at, we're all still like whatever body you're in, most of us, if most of us listening to the show, I'll say that are trying to heal in some facet, we're trying to discover more about what it is that we're doing on this earth, why we're here and what we're here to do. And if you are someone who uh, is able to have privilege in some form or another, um, you know, whether or not that triggers you to, to be, to just, just pray, (laughs) pray with us for a second, that, that you would have awareness brought to you right now. Like awareness brought to you in such a way, in such a strong way that spiritually we will be able to connect on all fronts that we would all be able to have the same experience at some point. You know, I know that sounds impossible, but I think that's the goal, like that we can all live freely and all live in a place where we're not traumatized or oppressed by others. And that is a very spiritual thing. Like if we are all going to come to the concept that we're all one, that we can't bypass the fact that right Mm -hmm. now, some people get to just think about oneness and others don't have access to it. And so, you know, that may be radical (laughs) to some people, but to me, it's incredibly spiritual, incredibly. And yeah, I'm done preaching. (laughs)
2: I love it when you preach. And I think there's, you know, a piece that about authenticity that gets talked about so much Mm -hmm. in the spiritual world, like be your authentic self, your magnetic authenticity. And I'm totally into it. Right. And just again, the way, um, the way people in bodies that have been oppressed and marginalized have have to step out of their authenticity to survive white spaces.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, That's... the way
2: queer folks, trans folks, undocumented folks, etc. Mm-hmm.
0: That was interesting. Um, the other day, I had said, <laughs> and it, it reminds me how many times I've done this. How when I'm getting ready to present, or I have a class to teach, or. I'm going into shoot a wedding somewhere fancy uh, in certain spaces where I will straighten my hair mm. um, to be more accepted because I notice that I'm treated better if I look more quote unquote acclimated and how that doesn't allow me to show up as my authentic self. Um, even, you know, a couple of days ago, like you guys can't see this, but my hair is curly right now. And if it's not super defined and silky looking when it does look like what I, me and my sister call bonchy, um, which is just when, when it's in its fro state without all the definition or whatever, how I don't feel pretty. Oh. And because that's socialized, right? Yeah. Like you're not pretty. if your you're hair looks like that. Um, yeah. so many of my friends as compliments will say, Oh, you look so pretty with your hair straight, you know? And that being like, it's not their intention to, to say that, but to survive in these spaces, to show up in these spaces, I don't feel like I can be my authentic self. I can't be my actual self because I, I'm not, I'm not as accepted. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's just a small example. We have so many more. We don't, we don't have time for all that, but um, it, it is something that, that does affect my spirit it does affect how I show up. It does affect how I accept myself. It does accept my practices. Uh, It's affected my practices. It is something that widely affects the way that I'm able to see the world. Now, I know I'm talking a lot about me because I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for everybody else, but in that space, um, what we're talking about, I think is super important because the inclusion of others and like, I'm just now learning how to do the pronoun thing. Right. Mm. Right. As um, we just aired an episode about um, non-binary worldview. And that is not a world I live in, but I'm super curious about it because it's, I'm like, how can I exist in this space where I'm not excluding other people? I'm not perfect, but wanting to show up perfect and wanting to be like, be able to anticipate someone else's needs and not like have the, the misintentions or of excluding someone on accident because I'm ignorant was something that I was like, I need to know. I want to know like, okay, teach me more about this, how we live in a, a cisgendered sexism society and how that like even our psyche is gendered. And so if that's important to me because I want to be inclusive, then you guys can do that too. Right. (laughs) Very easily. You guys can do that too. Can you speak on that?
2: Uh, To which part, my love?
0: Anything that you feel led.
2: (laughs) Well, I, I love what you just modeled for us, which was, having the love for the collective and the love for self to raise your own awareness about a place where you wanted to be educated to learn more right to align intention with impact mm-hmm. right because intention is great fine impact matters mm-hmm. as you said and so you recognized as this as a cis woman that you needed to learn about this yeah
3: yeah
2: and so The process I teach is awareness, acceptance, action. So you had that awareness. I'm imagining from what I know of you, you stepped into an acceptance, okay? There's a deficit in my knowledge here due to my socialization and this heteronormative culture in which I was raised and created being action. Let me bring a guest on, let me read a book, let me learn about this and become one more person modeling the importance of attending to the collective, right? The t- importance of taking that extra step and that extra time, which you took to say, I want to show up as a vassal of love. And when I mispronounce someone, I hurt them.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It is not kind. It is not loving. It is not how I, as a spiritual animal, want to show up. And so you did that work and you're modeling that. And I think that's absolutely beautiful. And still working on so thank it. So you. that's um e bueno. It's it's lifelong. Yeah.
0: But I think that may be what why, and just to bring this back to perfectionism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why it's so difficult for us to accept when we don't know something, when it's difficult to be feel ignorant, when it's difficult to feel like we made a mistake that perfectionism and being like, I'm just going to ignore that (laughs) (laughs) T-Rex. I don't want to mess up. I'm not going to (laughs) speak up about this because I don't want to mess up. I had a lot of people come back um, after, you know, all of the George Floyd stuff went Mm -hmm. down earlier this year Mm -hmm. and people being like, first people attacking other people for not saying anything, but a lot of other people being just afraid that they were going to say the wrong thing. Yeah. And that how perfectionism not only fucks up your life,
2: but it fucks up others. Yeah. I did an episode of my podcast, Feminist Wellness, about this specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I also did an IGTV about the nervous system and how it's incumbent on white and white passing folks like myself, white passing, aim to deal with that shit, right? Mm. To regulate our nervous systems and to get right with the fact that we are going to fuck up. Yeah. You're going to say some shit wrong, and that's okay in service of learning how to do it right. Mm. Mm-hmm. right and and the key thing here in my opinion is to not center yourself as the person who is not of the oppressed group right mm-hmm. so not to not to be like I'm so sorry I did it wrong right right like yes have that moment have it with your journal right have it in your own sacred space and bring the best of what you are learning and working on and doing to the collective, right? Do not burden Black folks, gender non-binary folks, trans folks, right? Other oppressed collect- communities. With you learning to do the work, come with your best work. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Learn better, do better. Yeah? Yeah. And when you do fuck up, what is so beautiful is when you do not make it about you. Mm -hmm. I did a whole series about apologizing, in part thinking about this. My partner's gender non-binary trans, and folks will often fuck up their pronouns, like chronically, constantly. And there's such an energetic difference, and I watch it on their face when someone says, oh, she, I mean, Oh, I'm so sorry. I always, fuck, it's they, them, right? I use they, them, or do he, like, what do I, uh, I'm Mm -hmm. so sorry, I don't know why I can't do this right. Like, God, you'd think I would learn and like make it into this whole shame show Mm -hmm. that like I get, right? I have struggled for 41 years with my own perfectionism. I get it. And in that moment, you get to step into that higher version of yourself that doesn't need to center you. So I watch my partner's face when that shame show shows up and when someone says, sorry, dude, they are going to the park with me. Mm -hmm. I fucked it up. Sorry. They, my apologies.
3: Yeah.
2: Right. And that's that, that is putting down that perfectionism to say it's okay to be a human, to be new to a process, to be learning. And in that same moment, to drop that need to center yourself and to center the person who may be harmed to recognize the impact.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Right. I think that's incredibly important in the process of having to essentially become aware of how perfectionism produces shame. Yes. And how shame, I did an episode about this a couple of weeks ago where we say, you know, shame is, um, guilt is I made a mistake shame is i am a mistake yep and so perfectionism yep. when we are in the spirit of perfectionism how how shame exudes and how it then not only hurts us but does hurt others as well in the process right. because of the way in which we see the world as we we're not we we have to be perfect to avoid being a mistake exactly. which is just
2: unrealistic well yeah <laughs> it's also not true right so right. if we come back to that that belief that we are inherent goodness, that we are each born completely perfect and we're just figuring it all out as we move through this life, there's nothing to prove. Right. Right. You just get to learn and to learn, to apologize, to learn. I say that perfectionism is shame plus fear. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. I am an oopsie and I fear that you will know it. Mm -hmm. I fear that I will be shown it and then I will beat myself up wildly.
0: Right, and this is why essentially that's what stops a lot of us from continuing education, (laughs) continuing to learn. Because if we find ourselves in a space where we are ignorant or we've made a mistake or something, we one, have to admit it to ourselves to expand, But then two, maybe others would find out. It's better for me to stand my ground exactly where I'm at and put on that face in order to protect myself, put on that (laughs) mask to protect myself in the midst of while I'm feeling like I'm a mistake. Yes. It's the duality of the mask and the shame.
2: Yes. Incredible. Yes. Yes.
0: Man, we could talk about this forever. (laughs)
2: and ever and ever and ever
0: um so before we're gonna go and i'm gonna ask you a few more questions on patreon we're gonna get a little bit deeper um but before we go what what would you be um your lasting thought be for our collective and something that they really need to hear
2: (sighs) you are the medicine you've been looking for you are your most powerful healer the guru is within you the teacher is within you and we each get the opportunity in this lifetime to tap into that deep internal well of healing and to spiral it out to learn from and give to the collective that oneness to lift us all up
0: beautiful thank you (laughs) thank you thank you so much for being on the show can you tell people where to find you
2: Oh, yes. Uh, on the Instagram at Victoria Albina Wellness. My podcast is called Feminist Wellness. It's on literally all of the things. So uh, check that out. And my website is victoriaalbina.com. Uh, I have a set of free meditations that you can get for free to your email inbox because I love you and you matter. So head on over to my website. It's right literally at the top of the homepage. You put your name and email in and poof good to they arrive. arrive. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on the show
0: guys. I feel like we, we, we covered so much today and so yeah. much to think about, like some things may have triggered you and we're not sorry. <laughs> because triggers are good. They're good to show us where our awareness is or that is that and where we need further healing. So, um, I hope you did get a lot of out of this as I did. Please share this episode with someone you love and make sure to find us in the next one. We'll see you later. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode and how raw it was and what it taught us about how perfectionism can really fuck up your life. <laughs> so, um this week for Weekly Wisdom, let's see what we have here today. We have the Blossoming Abundance card. And I love this card because we are in the holiday season and um for those of you who do celebrate Um, this is you know a time especially today for this conjunction to kind of look forward about what it is we'd like to manifest in our lives in the following year and this is not about being like you know 2021 is going to be my year (laughs) I haven't heard much of those uh, this year because this this current year has been you know a, a dumpster fire for a lot of people but this is a time where we can really get into the portal energy of manifesting what it is we'd like to see And for a lot of us while this year has been hard it has shaken us awake in incredible ways um while some some people said this is their best year ever and some people this was the worst year they've ever experienced in their life and in either perspective i'm going to be gentle with that because i know that that can be touchy the card definitely says that this is the time to process all of those things in order to move forward into a place that you'd like to see happen in your life and while that sounds easier said than done, can you get yourself this week to imagine what it would be like to have everything that you wanted? And now I don't mean this in a material sense, like I want to be a millionaire, I'm going to drive a Bugatti or something. Like <laughs> I mean this in the sense of what characteristic traits did you want to heal this year? Um, you know, what ways in did you want to, you know, connect with your family? What ways in which did you want to connect to yourself? Um, how did you want to be more loyal to yourself, create more boundaries, be less codependent, less perfectionistic. Um, those are signs of abundance as well. We often think of abundance as just money, um, you know, wealth or, or the things and riches that we would like to call in. But this time for our expansion is also part of the process of, you know, becoming more abundant. So Allow yourself to dig in this week and kind of just think, like, what are you grateful for? But also, what are you calling in from your perspective? What are you leaning into? What energy are you spending your time in that's a fostering an environment, a fertile environment for things to grow in? So anyway, as always, you guys know where to find me to get a card reading at thelovelyalia.com, And I hope that you have an incredible week. I can't wait to see you guys next week. Have an incredible holiday. And stay safe. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you love. And if you're interested in becoming a client for energy coaching or card readings, buy me at the to read more about what I do and to book your own session. And don't forget to add me on the lovely Aaliyah on Instagram for daily content and inspiration and hang out with me on Patreon. As always, thank you for listening.